Marketing is a game of attention. If you can't hook your audience to pay attention, they'll miss out on what you have to say or sell. And one of the masters teaching a course about becoming unignorable is Neil O'Grady. He is the co-founder of Demand Curve and has gone from a few thousand to 52,000 followers on LinkedIn in just a few months. Today, he shares his five C's for creating content that hooks people. In this Marketing Power-Ups episode, you learn first of all, how to tap into people's curiosity. Second, how to build credibility without any followers. Third, how to craft content that is counterintuitive. And number four, a career power-up that's helped accelerate Neil's career. Before I get started, I created a free power-up cheat sheet that you can download and apply Neil's five C's of unignorable content. You can find it at marketingpowerups.com or in the show notes and description. Are you ready? Let's go. Marketing Power-Ups. Ready? Go! Here's your host, Rambly John. You've been teaching this course and you I believe you have this student that applying the principles we're going to be talking about. I, I'm trying to get people excited. <laughs> you know, you were able, they were able to get 115,000 followers in what? Six, yeah. six months? Yeah, he's at 115,000 followers. He's He did the course in January. He basically didn't post before that. Uh, he was lucky in that he was a very early LinkedIn user, like 10, 15 years ago. And uh, just through like uh, using that to connect with people, he had an amazing base of 20,000 followers, but he'd never actually posted anything before. Interesting. Uh, and the our course, uh, Unignorable, it's cohort-based. Um, it, you know, combination of just trying to help people refine their topic Uh as well as like learn the psychology of how to post engaging and interesting content that kind of sets you as an expert. Uh, it's, it's also like one of the biggest reasons why people kind of f- fail at this is that they uh, are constantly preparing for it and not actually starting and just having the ac- accountability of uh, I've paid for this, there's other people doing it, I'm getting all these notifications that sh- you end up doing it and uh, you through it, you're also meeting a whole bunch of other people with the same goal as you. So um, he's he's absolutely crushed it. He's, you know, he's he was recently Ali Abdal with four and a half million subscribers, also just made an entire video of what it's like to work with him as oh, a CEO cool. coach. Right. Um, oh, I so think I saw that. Yeah. yeah he, so he's that guy. He I just saw Eric that Partaker. video from Ali Abdal. Yeah. 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 yeah it's him. it's great. The the Ali basically starts the video saying, this is Eric, and he is very, very, very expensive. <laughs> which, like he doesn't just, usually take clients, right? Like I think that's what Ali said was like I had to, like almost beg him to like take me on or something like that. He has like a backlog of clients that can take. Yeah, on. he's um, Eric is is great in that he he has essentially the highest conversion rate I've ever we've ever seen of somebody visiting his profile and following him. I've also shown his profile to a bunch of people and they're immediately like, oh my God, this guy is a baller. Um, and and part of that, like I brought that up to him and he's like, yeah, but I'm also 47. You're, you're 34. I would rather exchange 13 years of my life <laughs> and not have the credibility. Like, so for him, like he was, he was ranked CEO of the year in 2019. Um, so he just like to be a CEO coach and to see somebody that, you know, was ranked CEO of the year. It's kind of like kind of an obvious, you know, he was, he worked with The Apprentice. He's he's been featured in all these publications. So um, yeah, it's absolutely crazy. And because he's got all these years of skills, he's extremely good at networking. 
um, basically, uh, he, he even started like trading some of his skills to with top creators to get them to engage with the stuff. So, um, he definitely, definitely leveraged his, uh, his superpowers to grow really quickly. And he, I, I'm biased, but I end up saving most, a lot of his posts, probably more than I save anybody else's posts. Uh, what's his, uh, I'm going to link this LinkedIn profile. Is it mainly LinkedIn he's active on Twitter as well? Yeah. He's only started posting on Twitter mm -hmm. as well. He's been quite focused on LinkedIn. Just, you know, that's where yeah. founders mostly hang out. And yeah. well, I mean, you already mentioned it and he's already in Ali Abdal's video. What is his name? So people listening to this is just like, you don't have to go through the description. Yeah. To it's uh, Eric Partaker and Partaker. it's right, cool. spelled exactly how it sounds. It's cool. Like when people get a peek into this course. I'm going to link that course. I should sign up mm -hmm. for that. I feel like I can learn a ton. I'm going to. We'd love uh, to have you. Man. Join, uh, join the next cohort. Uh, you can, yeah. you can take yeah, my next word. Next cohort's in October. Okay. We figured like no, nobody wants to do this. Nobody wants nobody. to join a, yeah. a month long cohort based thing where they the need summer. to be accountable during the summer. A hundred percent. Let's talk about that. I mean, you already kind of started digging into one. I'm going to be focusing. You you share this post on LinkedIn. I'll, I'll share in the description. Like 12 ways to capture people's uh, uh, attention and make unignorable content. But I, I want to pick on the, the C's. There's five, but I don't know how much we can cover today. But you already started digging into one of them. You mentioned credibility. I feel like that's such a powerful way to grab people's attention. It's like C of the year. Or like I've looked at a hundred like onboarding experience or like looked at different ads and showing graphs. Why is that so like effective when people see like that credibility markers when in posts? In a lot of ways it can kind of feel like bragging, but it's it's funny that it it just like I think what's the stat? Like people scroll through 300 feet of content per day. And ultimately they want to know that the thing that they're going to learn is coming from somebody who actually knows something and has the, the credibility to do that. So for example, like Justin Welsh saying, I made $3 million last year with my one person business. Would you rather learn something about one person businesses from somebody who's made $3 million in a year, or would you rather learn it from somebody who just started um and so it's it's kind of a it, it's kind of hard to do at first because you feel like you're sort of bragging like you know i have ones like i've helped i've worked with 100 plus startups uh you know uh or it's like i i've grown this quickly or i've done this or um so there's there's three fundamental ways i think uh, you can kind of leverage credibility is one is, you know, like I've done this amazing thing, you know, like I made $3 million from a year as a solopreneur. Um, there's kind of the, I guess, leveraging the credibility of somebody else. So for example, I have a post that did well and I had leveraged the uh, success story of Eric. And uh, I've kind of attached myself to that because I say that he was my student. So uh, I get the one, everyone who happens to know Eric, uh, will stop and look, especially since I have his face in the post. Uh, it kind of shows some am amazing thing he's done. So you want to learn how he did that. And then kind of that credibility also somewhat gets transferred to me. Uh, and also part of like leveraging somebody else's credibility, say like you're just starting out, you have, you're not CEO of the year. How do you do this? Uh, you 
say, like Eric does this a lot in his content. It's like, this is something that I learned at McKinsey. This is a study done by Harvard. This is uh, how um, Marcus Aurelius or Steve Jobs. So people have heard of Harvard. They respect Harvard. They know McKinsey. They know Steve Jobs. Anyone who's a fan of them or is recognizes them are more likely to stop and, and, and want to read. So, uh, and the, oh, I guess the last one would be kind of around, I've done a ton of work. As you said, it's like, uh, you know, I've spent 15 hours putting this together. I've analyzed a thousand posts. It's um, showing I've done all this work so you don't have to. And it leverages the labor illusion saying like, if something took a lot of time, it must be valuable. So, yeah. Um, You can see why this uh, could be hard to go through all 12 (laughs) because each one kind of, you can go deeply into it. Yeah. I mean, I love this. I mean, it's giving... Essentially, I see credibility as a way to let people know why they should listen to you. Yeah. So and, why should I care? Yeah. Um, why should I you're, care? You're you're constantly like when somebody's scrolling, you're constantly trying to ask them like uh, answer the question like so what like why should I read this? Um, so it's just very much like just leaning into that, being like, look, I've done this thing, or this person's done this thing. Here's how they did it, or, or whatever. So. Before I continue, I want to thank the sponsor for this episode, 42 Agency. Now, when you're in scale-up growth mode and you have to hit your KPIs, the pressure is on to deliver demos and signups, and it's a lot to handle. There's demand gen, email sequences, RevOps, and more. And that's where 42 Agency, founded by my good friend Camille Rexton, can help you. They're a strategic partner that's helped B2B SaaS companies like ProfitWall, Teamwork, Sprout Social, and HubDoc to build a predictable revenue engine. If you're looking for performance experts and creatives to solve your marketing growth problems today and help you build the foundations for the future, look no further. Visit 42agency.com to talk to a strategist right now to learn how you can build a high efficiency revenue engine. I love how you broke down like you, you don't have to brag, show your own credibility. You're talking about like showing other people's credibility. It could be your student, like you mentioned. It could also be a famous person, like oh, this is how Marcus Aurelius did it. Uh, um, another thing I've seen around credibility, I think Brendan Hufford does this a lot, which I had on an episode where he does like a graph, like look at this SEO, uh, like this spike. And that kind of like showcases the result of your client. That could be- Yeah, just, yeah he often goes like, I was able to scale their uh, organic traffic from this to this in this time frame, um, yeah, it's it's very powerful. I I find myself stopping at almost every single one of those that Brandon does, uh, and it's it's often the posts. So like, we'll probably get into this, but I I talk a lot about how um, as you're trying to build a personal brand. Uh, you're likely doing it probably because you want to make money, right? Or you want to be able to grow your business or something. Like deep down, you know, that's mostly why you're trying to do it. So posting memes, posting platitudes, reposting other things that other people have said or done uh, ultimately doesn't make somebody uh, respect you as a trusted source or to respect your uh, authority or credibility or want to work with you or pay you money. It's like, uh, yeah, sure, there's lots of Instagram accounts that you know have great cat memes. Am I ever going to purchase something based on the recommendation of this? No. I, d- I also don't even care who runs it. 
Uh, I just like that it's funny. Um, whereas like Brendan, he's showing uh, an example of how he grew somebody's uh, blog. If I needed somebody to run the SEO for my business, he'd be one of the first people I thought of. Um, just because it's like he's clearly had results for other people. Um, and I, I find that one, it's like I posted that thing about Eric. I started getting lots of messages being like, how did you work with Eric? Can I work with you? Stuff like that. Uh, and I've, those are the number one posts I, I, I find for uh, to kind of get that inbound is just kind of highlighting other people's success. What I'm hearing is that maybe sometimes early when you're building your personal brand or like your client, you don't really have a big client or result to show. Maybe start off like being a reporter where like you're sharing yeah. other people's results and then slowly merge into once you have proof sharing your own results. Is that like a, a, a suggestion that yeah, might yeah, make sense? Totally. I, I think it's uh, James Clear, the uh, author of Atomic Habits, has talked quite a bit about this too. It's like when he started writing about it, you know, I, I read his first posts, you know, when I was 23, I'm now 34. So, he was not an expert in habit formation or achieving a goals or anything at the time. He was basically learning in public. He was just, I've just read this thing. I've been thinking about it, whatever. And then over time, because he spent so much time thinking about it, writing about it, that he is now uh, basically seen as one of the, like the utmost experts in this topic, right? So it's like, um, even if you're 20 years old and you don't have a skill, it's just like, pick a topic that you're really obsessed and interested by, uh, go learn it. And then you can just like report back to the internet what you've learned about it. And often that's, you know, you learning from other people and in, in that you kind of leverage their credibility. And eventually you consume enough of that content, you write about it enough, you're going to have your own unique insights from that. So, yeah. That makes a ton of sense. I think starting off with that, I think the, this ties to one of the other C's in terms of like capturing people's attention is celebrate. Like you're building a yes. public. It's great to like share any kind of, I'm so happy for you, for them, us is what you shared. Can you talk a little bit about more, uh, more about like how to celebrate without, once again, like sometimes it's like, oh, I did such a good job. Let me pat my back. Everybody pat my back, like without sounding yes. like that. Yes. It's, um, Celebrating wins is definitely uh, a big one. It's, it's every time I see somebody announce that they've gotten a new job, you know, it's not a well-written post, but it's it not. pops off, right? Um, or they've like, they've raised a bunch of money or whatever. Um, I think, oh, or they say it's their birthday and then that kind of leads in or, or I just achieved this revenue milestone. I think part of the reason it's like one, they want to um, celebrate the win. Uh, there's also some underlying thing of uh, kind of our fear of being outdone. So just seeing, seeing somebody else's success inherently triggers some sort of jealousy that, you know, either motivates you or demotivates you. Uh, hopefully it motivates them, um, especially if, you know, kind of I've achieved this thing. Here's how I did it so that you can achieve it too. That's kind of more of a motivating message. But fundamentally too, it's like when you post something, um, People need some it needs some sort of prompt to help them decide even what to like say or comment. When you say it's like, oh, it's my birthday today, it's like a very obvious response to go, mm -hmm. 
like happy birthday, happy birthday, <laughs> Ramley. Um, and so or it's, or it's like, I just got a new job. They're just like, oh, great. Congratulations. Um, so it's like a very obvious kind of thing for them to be able to respond with. And if, just inherently how algorithms work is that things that get likes or comments will get seen by more people. Um, so it's, it, there's like a, a large mix of, of things, partly psychology of them just want to celebrate, uh, them, you know, uh, at big number or, or something kind of catch those, their eye, uh, you know, uh, some sort of jealousy or fear of being outdone might be in there as well. And then also just having an easy prompt. But in terms of like, you know, it not feeling, uh, too braggy, it's, you know, it's, um, I think it comes down mostly to the, to how you say it, uh, and not just kind of like purely draw the attention of like, oh, I've, I've made $3 million this year. Like how um, that's fucking sick. Right. No, it's, <laughs> or it's like, here's my photo of my Lambo that I just bought and kind of like rubbing it in people's face. Um, instead you just kind of say it and you're just like, there, you can even hum, be a little humble and it's like, this kind of blows my mind or something or, and, and just kind of like then tell people how you achieved it. So they, they kind of feel like they've gotten something out of it too. It, it also feels like you mentioned a lot about like how you say it, but also like, what is the next step? Like, I, you know, some of the stuff that you shared in that, like, um, with Justin Walsh saying, oh, look, I've made $3 million. Now here's how I did it. <laughs> you know, like, it's not just like, cool, let's celebrate. Like even Jay Klaus, you share like, oh, it's my birthday. Here's 30 things I wish I, I knew in my 20s. And that kind of like feeds that loop where happy birthday and also thanks <laughs> for sharing what you learned. Yeah. Yeah. Like it would feel very different if Justin Welsh, I made $3 million last year. Here's this sick house that I just bought. You'd be like, uh, cool, Justin. Good for you. I'm glad. Uh, so yeah, it's, you know, the kind of the next step or, you know, how, how did, why, like, why again, like the, so what, uh, and basically somebody's answering the question of, so what, it always ties back to like, why should they care that you just made $3 million? Mm. Uh, why should they care that it, it's your birthday? You know, it's an opportunity for you to have reflected on, on your life. And these are the things that you've learned. So I want to move on to the, the next one around curiosity. I love how you broke this down in that post. Uh, how when you, when you think about curiosity, you can say something shocking like, I used to sell drugs. I don't know exactly you share. Promise value could be like how to make money online in like oh, three days, even if it's possible, or strong words like, I, how, this is how you steal other people's audience. The word steal is like, that sounds scammy. Can you talk a little bit about, about this? What it, curiosity, like the three things. Yeah, what is that all about? And how can people use it? Yeah, I like to tie it to kind of a basically prompting something in their head, like uh, you want them to go, then what happened, or like mm. what then. So I particularly love it when uh, people do this with storytelling. They, uh, like for for example, like Andrew Wilkinson does this mm. one where he talked about how he uh, lost ten million dollars and he like. Uh, really kind of dives into being like that. I could have retired on a quarter million dollar a year uh, uh, salary <laughs> for for the rest of my life if I hadn't blown ten million dollars. And he just like really kind of 
twists the knife and was like, how, how did he learn 10, lose $10 million? Like, that's insane. I've never had $10, $10 million and this, this guy's lost it. Um, so kind of like talking about the outcome of a story and like uh, making them interested in what happens. Um, or I, I quite liked what, uh, Casey Neistat. He's a YouTuber. He's had this great video, basically. It's called Do What You Can't. And it was kind of this rallying cry for YouTubers to uh, basically talk about this huge cultural shift of these weirdos posting videos on the internet and becoming bigger than uh, like some broadcasting networks. Right. Um, and he starts the whole video of just like a guy dangling from an, a, a ladder from a helicopter and you know it does that for 10 seconds and you're just like what's going on here like what uh why is someone hanging from a helicopter in the middle of nowhere yeah. um so you just like keep keep watching and then he like builds with interesting music and cuts and you know you end up watching the whole video without even really ever questioning whether you should stop mm. so um and it's like this this concept that's constantly uh, that's talked about especially in in uh, videos or or movies is the something called the curiosity gap. So mm -hmm. you like tease at something, you give, and then you kind of delay the satisfaction. So one of my friends made this great video. It was called the um, is YouTube short the most psychopathic movie role of all time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's so like even that name is great. You're like, ooh, yeah, that's good. What's that? And he had, you know, it starts with like uh, the scene from Clockwork Orange where his eyes are being taped open. So it's like strong imagery of of that and it kind of also hints like oh is it maybe this movie clockwork orange and then you know he delays his satisfaction by then talking about the credibility of some uh researcher who had dived in and had done this study blah 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 and then it starts showing uh movie uh, covers to show all the different role of movies that they had looked at and it's not until like i don't know 30 seconds in that it finally tells you what it is and it's no and like, I imagine people listening to this are are also just wondering like, which <laughs> which movie was it? It was No Country for Old Men. But it's like if he if he had just started the the short saying the most psychopathic movie role of all time, based uh, this study was No Country for Old Men. You'd just be like, cool. I just got the value. I don't care to listen to the the one minute or two minute explanation of this. I'm just going to go to the next video. So it's like teasing some sort of interesting value. And like then delaying it and like getting that suspense, building it, kind of contextualizing further why they should care. And then only then kind of satisfying that curiosity. Um, and kind of like uh, the, the best movies and videos actually have this, they tried to have uh, as one curiosity is about to be satisfied, they kind of like bring in another one. So um like I read this, uh, one of my favorite authors, Haruki Murakami, often switches between two characters every chapter, and he ends each chapter with some sort of uh, interesting cliffhanger. So, but you can't resolve that cliffhanger until you've finished an entire other chapter. But that next chapter is resolving the 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 cliffhanger from a, ch a chapter ago so you're just in this it's like this really thick book but you just end up like plowing through it because you're just constantly like craving the finality and you have to just plow through the next chapter to figure out what that is and it's just a never-ending cycle of him just constantly teasing your curiosity and, and um like 
your need to just know because when you finally find out, you actually get a, a big surge of dopamine for your curiosity to have been satisfied. I, I love this curiosity gap. Never thought about it. You mentioned Casey Neistat. I feel like YouTubers are, are like the, they can't, uh, I, I feel like YouTubers really had to figure this out because they, you know, the YouTube algorithm kind of rewards people because within the first five seconds, you have to grab people's attention. An example of this is Mr. Beast. One of his, like, now his most watched video is that billion dollar boat or like, you know, a $1 boat versus a billion dollar boat. And it's like this in the thumbnail, it's him. There's like a, a, a big yacht and it's like covered in gold, but it's definitely, it's like not covered in gold in real life, but you're like, is it covered in gold? So like, now, you know, you want to see, you want to see it. You want to see what's inside with there's a billion dollar boat. Yacht looks right. Like. And, and I imagine he starts with the $1 boat. He does. Yeah. 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 There's uh he's got another one that's great where he compares um, the hotel. Different hotels. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I saw that would do. The yeah. $1, the, it's like, of course you care most about the million dollar hotel. Yeah, of course. Sure. Yeah. Right. But like, he builds up to care. that. <laughs> he builds up to that and you finally get there. And yeah. So yeah, Mr. Beast is, it's um like I, when I watch it, I know I'm not the target audience, but when I start a video, I, I finish it. Like, yeah, you can't stop. It's so good. And then I'll probably watch another one. And I'm just like, yeah, I'm not 16 years old, but I'm still watching these. Um, yeah, it's, I, I think you, I mean, you, you talk to some of the biggest YouTubers like Mr. Beast or Ali Abdal and their, their whole advice is like, don't care about an algorithm. The algorithm is, uh, is somebody intrigued enough to click on your video? Mm, do they enough. watch no, right. the entire video? Mm. And do they like it so much that they then watch your next video? Um, and that's like all you should care about. Like, don't try to, you don't need to game it. It's just like, so like one of my friends likes to, to say, uh, replace the word algorithm with the word people in your vocabulary. And I think that's like very true with YouTube. I think it's, basically one of the hardest. I was even talking with somebody, it's like, I very rarely subscribe to a channel on YouTube. Like I subscribe to way fewer channels on YouTube than I am followers of people on LinkedIn or Twitter. Um, so it's like Ali says like 80% of the people who watches view his videos have, are not subscribers. And I'm sure a lot of them have seen a lot of his videos too. And you know, he, I didn't even, you know, I've seen lots of his videos and I didn't subscribe until he specifically called that out. And part of that is they, they really care about, you know, you talked about this curiosity link with your author, uh, the author that you that you mentioned. I, yeah, I, that's something also, I, there's also something a lot of YouTubers do because they know their retention plays such a big part of of uh, the success of their video. And yeah, you looping those curiosity, you know, talking about their Mr. Beast. You know, you go to one dollar and then like a hundred dollar boat. Like I'm curious now. Now you're curious as to what the one thousand dollar boat looks like or hotel. He he is really a master of just like always kind of keeping you wanting to watch even the next minute and also just yeah. The um, it's like okay, where is this gonna go from here? Yeah, as you said, I've seen the hundred dollar. Let's see the thousand. Uh, you know, I mostly care about the billion dollar one, but you know, it's also interesting to watch this progression. Um, that makes that makes a ton of sense. Uh, that that last curiosity we've talked about credibility, celebration, curiosity. Yeah. I want to tie the last two C's uh, together because they both start with counter, counter narrative, yeah. and then counterintuitive. 
what is that all about? And it seems like, you know, if I just heard it, it would be like, um, you know, uh, almost like contrarian point of view or like what Wes Cow says yeah. as a uh, spiky point of view. Is that is that what that's about? Whenever I talk about counter narrative, I, I always mention Wes Cow's sp- spiky point of views. One of my favorite examples of counter narrative is that uh, it's probably because I'm very biased, comes from my, my longtime friend and co-founder, Julian Shapiro. Uh, he had this post that was, uh, people don't have short attention spans, which is, you know, it's, it's hard to go a week without somebody saying that like social media and everything has ruined our attention spans. So it's like, everyone believes that, right? But he, are, he, so he says that right up front, which makes you go like, this is not what I've normally thought. Like, what is, what is this guy's point? And then he says like, we'll binge watch 10 hours of Netflix We'll listen to a three-hour podcast episode on, of, on Lex Friedman or Joe Rogan. Uh, it's not that we have short attention spans. We have a short consideration span. So as we said, it's like, yeah, if you don't hook somebody in the first three seconds of your video, they're just going to go to the next one because there's infinite content. Um, so it's a commonly held belief that you don't believe um, and you say it's word it strongly, you know, like Julian could have said something like, um, lots of people say that we have shortening attention spans. I don't agree with this. You know, that's not that, you know, it's, it doesn't hit you as hard as like, uh, people don't have short attention spans. Uh, just like West Cow, she has things where she says, I mean, it, if you go to her Twitter and you rank things by her, the most engagement, almost all of them are uh, X, most X suck at Y. Um, so for example, most uh, companies suck at onboarding their employees. And then she gives it a framework on how to, like somebody can onboard themselves. And that kind of, it, it's strong language that makes you stop and think. And she, if she had said, uh, most companies have suboptimal onboarding practices, leave, leaving the employee to kind of do it themselves. Here's a framework for how to do it. It's just like it just doesn't hit as hard, um, even though it's you know it's, it's saying essentially the same thing. So, in combination with having uh, like strong language in view, uh, challenging some commonly held belief will make them stop and think. Like uh, you know, one of the posts that we use to kind of get people on the wait list for Unignorable was Caitlin, Caitlin Burgoyne. She's got over 100,000 Twitter followers. She said, uh, you know, fuck building an audience, which somebody, uh, you don't expect somebody with that spends so much time posting on Twitter and has 100,000 followers to basically uh, dis- discard the thing that you think that she cares about most. Uh, and her whole whole point of that was that you know, you don't uh, kind of, as I said, you don't just build a, an audience of people who like your cat memes. You instead are building a, a, a group of people, you know, kind of like your thousand true fans that love you and would kind of like work with you and pay you for anything. So it's not about just getting attention and building an audience. It's about having a network of people that care about you. And like Justin Welsh, again, he, he cha- does it again where he says like, uh, he challenges the concept of being rich and you don't expect somebody who's who's got $3 million a year business and keeps like growing it to say that it's just like, well, eh, you don't need money. Um, 
So, uh, yeah, just just challenging. It's like kind of a hard thing to do because it's like you're really looking for either a commonly held belief that's wrong, or you're looking for a uh, what I like to call a uh, a popular unpopular opinion. So it you know it might feel contrarian, but there's actually like a large group of people who believe believe this secretly, um, or they haven't had it articulated properly by somebody else before. And then you know when somebody says here's an unpopular opinion. And then they say like, uh, work-life balance is, is dumb or something. You know, there's a large group of people who love to work really hard that think like work-life balance is, is dumb. And then they, they love that somebody's challenged it. Um, and you know, people on both sides, people who love work-life balance or, or hate that you've, you're now challenging that this like strongly held belief. And then people who actually secretly hate the concept of work-life balance will also stop and read it because they just want somebody to validate they're basically the confirmation bias, uh, validate the thing that they already believe yeah. is true. That's so good. I mean, it, you mentioned it, the formula almost like not X, which is commonly had belief, uh, but Y. Another example that you gave on that post, I really love from Naval. It's like, it's not 10,000 hours. It's 10,000 iterations where, where we have this 10,000 rule that we believe that from, uh, we've heard from Malcolm Gladwell in his, one of his books. Like that's how you become an expert, 10,000 hours, but you can spend 10,000 hours on uh, something really poorly and only did it, did it one iteration versus like 10,000 iterations about like learning and, and building and failing and, and doing it over and over again. I think that's another great yeah. example that you shared there. Yeah. Sh Shane Parrish has a great line about that. It's like kind of as you alluded to, it's it's not 10,000 hours. It's it's It has to be 10,000 hours of you like constantly continuing trying to improve and doing new things. So it's not, it's not the same 10,000 hours. You know, it's not just you like screwing the head on the doll. Um, it's you trying to figure out like, oh, how, how could the head get on this doll better? And then it, it, yeah, like iterating and trying to get to, you know, then you've eventually got a machine that puts the head on the doll perfectly. And you're not just sitting there screwing the, the head on the doll 10,000 times. Um, <clears throat> Yeah, and Naval is is quite good at finding these. I mean, you could probably quite systematically do this. You just like go through popular books or or uh, famous people who are known for saying certain things, and then just like uh, if you believe the opposite, then just strongly say the opposite. Um, and uh, you know, one of my one of my other friends has this like you can tweet your way into any room. Um, so it's just like you, your your take just has to be interesting enough. It's like if you are saying something that most people are not saying, then people will automatically think you're an interesting, more interesting person and then want to talk to you and, and learn more about that. You just said something there and I feel like it's a great exercise. I just want to make sure people heard it that, you know, commonly held advice from your industry, put it like, let's say on like, a, it could be a spreadsheet or a table, like here commonly held beliefs. And then find ones that are, you know, like you either strongly believe against or like there's a different perspective that you could take. And there is, you know, now you have some ideas that you can build upon to take this counter narrative or counterintuitive approach there. Yeah. I, th I think everyone in them has some sort of, you know, they think their industry is doing something wrong, yeah. wrong or their, <laughs> their job title fundamentally is doing things wrong. Um, like I'm like I'm pretty sure I've seen you post things where you're saying like uh, you're you're challenging how marketers or growth marketers normally 
perceive or work on something. So um, it's, I mean, to one of the great benefits of writing online is that you're, it's a form of introspection to even try to see like what, what you actually deeply believe and then to put ideas out there and have people um, uh, hopefully challenge them so that you then uh, uh, learn things. Like one thing I liked with Sahil Bloom talking to him, he said that he originally started doing it just as an exercise for him to learn. Um, it gave him kind of uh, an excuse to really dive into a subject he wanted to learn. And uh, writing it forces you to think about it deeply. Like I remember, uh, like I, as an engineer, I was very interested by like that the inner workings of how, say, like the blockchain or, or Bitcoin even worked technically. And I would, I always thought I understood how it worked, and then I started to write it down. Then I was just like, actually, fundamentally, I really don't understand how this works. And then I have to keep researching until I'm like, okay, I actually know how this works. So like the process of writing really gets uh, helps you uh, learn yourself and then also learn about you and what you actually believe about the world. And then, you know, Sahil would just post it. And if no one cared about that post, whatever, I've gained value from just having learned a thing and better and have a better thought through something that I, I cared about. That's so good. I think I really love that. Uh, um, we just talked about this five C's, now credibility, celebration, curiosity, counter-narrative, counter-intuitive. Uh, any, uh, before we move on to like career power-ups, do you have any like advice, final advice to people who are like trying to build up their personal uh, brand? Uh, and it could be anything that you, you see, you've seen help your you and your students. Yeah, so I would say I have a, a, a few answers to this. One is that fundamentally most people fail because they never actually start. Um, it's this, uh, this disease of tomorrow. Um, you're constantly waiting for a better time to do it. And part of that is, you know, you're just worried. Like I, I've, I've even, I'm at fault of this myself. Like I've been wanting to, to get into video and I've been intending to record video for YouTube for about six months and I still haven't done it just because it's an, it's a new format and I'm scared that it's going to be a bad video and put it online. But fundamentally it's like, uh, Nefsky reminding yourself that no one really cares and they're not even going to remember your bad. It's like Mr. Beast started posting when he's 13 years old. Yeah. He, he, it took yeah. him, what is it like three years before he hit a thousand subscribers, but he continued to post. You see anybody like going back and insulting him for his his first year of video? No, nobody cares. They just look at the, his highlight reel now. Um, so that that's one. Just like getting over that fear and just start posting. And yes, it's going to suck. Just give yourself the opportunity to do that. Um, I love how Ali Abdul breaks it down all into three steps. It's uh, get going, get good, get smart. And the first bit, just get like going, just start posting good. anything. It's just like some right. like uh, Elena Verna has this great framework where she says like if you found yourself explaining something three times mm, right just write it down write it down and post it somebody's asking you a question like just write it down or it's like if you find yourself thinking about it just write it down post it doesn't matter if it's the same topic doesn't matter if it's really good just get in the habit of posting it and then once you've proven that you can do something at least a little bit consistently then you can worry about like uh getting better at writing picking a specific topic things like that 
and then beyond that, it's just like, don't be a, like, people will only want to follow you and be interested if they care about you specifically. So, and part of that, you need to have your own unique perspective and, and opinions. Um, part of that is kind of, yeah, doing the, the counter narrative. Uh, don't be afraid of people not agreeing with you because ultimately those, if somebody doesn't agree with you, they're, they're never going to agree with, they're not going to become a customer. They're not going to, they're not going to become a friend. They're not going to be a member of your community. Uh, it's better. It's like, yeah, just if they don't agree, whatever, they can just not, but the people who do agree with you, they can, they'll like you more for it. So in, inject your own unique uh, opinion and stories. Like I, some of the posts that I do that get the most amount of people DMing me, which I see as being a very strong signal as it being a very good post, is that people just feel compelled to reach out to me. It's because I've shared some sort of like vulnerable part of my story and, and, and uh, things I've overcome or things that have made me the person I am today. Um, and uh, another sort of framework around that I got from Ali Abdal was the... Uh, finding your unfair advantage. So for example, he was, when he started on YouTube, he was uh, a medical student at Cambridge. So what was his unfair advantage? Helping people get into medical school at Cambridge. Um, you know, somebody who's 30 years old and is a marketer has no right to tell somebody how to get into med school. Uh, just like Eric Partaker, he was voted CEO of the year. So he's, his un, unique unfair advantage is that he can tell people how to be a great CEO and leader. So um, what is it specific to you and your story and the experiences that you've had that makes you uniquely qualified or interesting uh, for a specific thing? And then you can start with that and just do that. That makes sense. That's just so good stuff, especially that, um, what was that, get going was the second one and then get smart? That, uh, get going, get good, get smart. Get so like good, get, get going smart. is just start doing it good, get you know, get right, make better content mm. and then get smart is learning to systematize it. Maybe you bring in, um, right. you know, in the concept of YouTube, start outsourcing the video editing and, and things like that. Um, that way you can produce good content faster and more efficient. Yeah. Well, I want to shift gears and talk about career power-ups. Now you have had an interesting career journey. You started as a mechanical engineer turned programmer uh, who fell into marketing, as he, you said it, specifically your words, when you co-founded Bell Curve that went yeah. to Y Combinator. I'm curious, what's yeah. a power-up that's helped you accelerate your career? I've never had a full-time job. So I'm just gonna I'm just gonna start there. Like I did mechanical engineering and I had like co-op jobs and fundamentally I I had uh Co-op jobs that were with like semi-governmental positions. So one was a federal research thing on fuel cells, and the other was working at like the operation, uh, the Occupational Health and Safety Board of of uh, British Columbia. So uh, I was bored out of my mind, and I was sitting at a desk, and there was nothing to do because it's like compounding of it's a government job. So there's often very little to do, and then the other is that you're a co-op student, so you also don't have a lot of responsibility. So. That does that ground out any sort of desire for working in an office? So I kind of took ownership of learning the skills that I needed to. Um, so I taught myself programming, and then I started taking freelance contracts. Um, so and then I completely self-taught for marketing because I 
fell into and I started a marketing agency with a friend of mine who's was a you know VP of marketing at Webflow. So I was just forced myself into an uncomfortable position where then I just had to learn it. Like I started taking freelance contracts to make people's websites when I had never actually really made a website for somebody before. Uh, and you know, it's like I'm just gonna have to figure this thing out to do it. And kind of the benefit of just taking that ownership over your thing is like, you know, nobody's gonna take it on to make sure that you're you're developing and growing for your career uh, any more than than you. It's like you you fundamentally need to be the person to take ownership of that. And you know, you you can climb the corporate ladder, but I've always just kind of believed that you should try to take the helicopter or the elevator. Like if if I want to be a, a somebody who works at an executive team of one of these large companies, like I think I'm going to get there a lot, I'd get there a lot faster if I go out, build my own business have, and prove that I have initiative and leadership and learn all these skills, they're way more likely to want to hire me to be on their executive team rather than if I just like slowly started in the mail room and worked my way up. Um, so, and I, I, I think the ultimate tool these days is just start posting on social media. It's just like, um, find a thing that you want to learn, uh, and then learn in public and then people will, to, will love and respect you for that thing. And then, you know, you can probably command a salary that's way higher than if you had just, uh, worked at some sort of job just because there's this, there's, uh, there's really an allure to just um, people who have been able to crack and capture people's attention and get, gain their respect from lots of people. So, you mentioned something there that's quite interesting uh, around like you start posting online. I think the other benefit we, you talked earlier about like it helping you grow a business, but as well, if you're working at, as an employee somewhere, uh, Sarah Stockdale, who had it on the show, uh, the CEO of Grow Class, said this could be like a, a great, like, backup or she call it golden parachute because it's much easier for for somebody to you know hire you if you have like that presence online already because they know that you you've been sharing your thoughts there rather than yeah. somebody who has it uh you know has been a little bit less quiet um there's a little bit of social proof almost there where if you are posting up something online uh sometimes if it's like skills for skill it's the same I, you know, maybe I would uh, choose somebody who has a little bit more presence online, especially if they're in marketing rather than somebody who's not. Yeah, you're also probably going to have some, maybe you've seen them before and you already have some sort of base, baseline affinity for them. Right. Or, you know, you see other people talking nicely about them online. It's, um, yeah, it's 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 an excellent tool to grow your business. But, you know, as as an employee, it's like either going to allow you to break off kind of as you said golden parachute like you can then start taking freelance contracts or you can get a better job and like i've always kind of found the concept of unemployment to be a little funny because it's like fundamentally you only need to there's eight billion people in the world and you only need to convince one person that you're worth employing and um you know po posting online it's like if you've got fifty thousand followers i imagine there's one of them that would be willing to hire you for for the thing that you talk about. So, and I, I think it's easily the, one of the best things that somebody could do either for their, their business or their career. And it's, um, 
like it's kind of funny. We we went through a hilarious cycle where our business got bootstrapped kind of off my co-founder's personal brand. And then we spent years and years trying to detach the company from the brand, trying to like draw attention to Bell Curve and Demand Curve and not Julian. Right. And then we've just seen this trend that's like, oh wait, people don't uh, people don't connect or identify with brands nearly as much as they connect and identify with people. And when I had that sort of light bulb moment, I was just like, wait, I need to start investing in this. I need to become kind of the face of the business and try to encourage kind of other people on the team to start doing that, to show the people behind it. And, you know, it's good for the business, but it's also like, you know, maybe one day I stop doing demand curve and bell curve and I want to start something else or do something else. And am I going to be more likely to be sexful, successful at that thing now that I have the ability to channel people's attention toward it or even just uh, network my way into either investment for it or working, having a, uh, a great co-founder for it or, or whatever. It's, um, you know, it's the, the concept of increasing your luck surface area. It's like you, you don't know what knowing more people or having more people like you is going to achieve. So, um, and this is, I think, the, the number one way that exists in the world uh, to do that. If you enjoyed this episode, you'd love the Marketing Power-Ups newsletter. I share the actionable takeaways and break down the frameworks of world-class marketers. You can go to marketingpowerups.com to subscribe and you'll instantly unlock the three best frameworks that top marketers use, hit their KPIs consistently, and wow their colleagues. I want to say thank you to you for listening and please like and follow Marketing Power Ups on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. If you feel extra generous, kind of leave a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Leave a comment on YouTube. Goes a long way in others finding out about Marketing Power Ups. Thanks to Mary Sullivan for creating the artwork and design. And thank you to Faisal Kaigo for editing the intro video. And of course, thank you for listening. That's all for now. Have a powered update. Marketing Power Ups. Until the next episode.